Hey man, I think I think we are a go on this. Does anything sound weird on your end? No, it sounds better because you're 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 not so muffled. Probably probably not uh, restrained by the FaceTime sound or whatever the hell that works. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think that's what it was. When you called me, my phone, my iPad, and my computer all started ringing. But I just want you to know I'm recording. It's fine. Well, thanks. Thanks for coming on. I know it's, uh, God, you said you work third shift. I remember a long time ago, I used to shovel scrap metal at this factory and it was first shift. And I remember the third shift guys getting off at like seven or eight mm. and then straight to the bar. Straight to the bar. Yeah. <laughs> they, they had it there, you know. Really excited about talking about the, the parallax view. It had been a while since I'd seen it. So I watched it about three times since we set I, this up. I found out about it on the Godfrey on the Gilbert Gottfried show of all things. Oh, really? The, when he used the, to yell at us at night? No, he used to make. Uh, I mean, on his podcast. Oh, I didn't him know he had his, a podcast. Uh, it's pretty great. He gets pretty really really random guests on there, but he's got the regular show. Then he's got these colossal obsession shows. And he used to like make film recommendations. Him and his co-host Frank, and um, they would point out some really good stuff to watch. Like this one we we covered on my show called "No Way to Treat a Lady," 
And I found out about that because that was on his show. He talked about it on his show, and I had no idea what the hell it was. <laughs> and it was a really, really good movie with Rod Steiger. Nice. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of like how, uh, you know, movies... I'm from mostly a music background, so mm-hmm. I do a lot of comparative analogies, but sometimes you have to wait for somebody that's been around listening to a lot of shit to let you know that it exists. That, 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 was, that, was, that was my cousin Joey. We, we, I learned about lots of random stuff at too young of age, about <laughs> music-wise, you know. Yeah. He, 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 he was into the California punk scene from the 80s. And then he uh, he loved you know early '90s, late '80s gangster rap. Like I I heard that Ice Cube Predator album way too early, I think. And he <laughs> he introduced me to that. You uh, know, like corrupted your mind. No, I wouldn't say that. It's just it it, it was a uh, little heavy. It was a little heavy for 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 you know me being a white suburbanite kid not knowing anything about these these police actions you know <laughs> yeah yeah it's like oh I... well i wasn't i wasn't that sheltered yeah i, I lived in a uh a shittier suburb than, than, than the northern suburbs but uh it, yeah I south think... suburb south suburbs for life man <laughs> i think the only suburb in the chicago area i've really been to was uh gray's lake yeah, that's 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 way north of me. Yeah, there used to be a studio there where I think the guys that run Riot Fest set us up with playing there a couple times when we came through in my band. Uh, it was like a recording studio or something that did all ages shows. Nice. Yeah, I know. I know of Riot Fest. They, they're a pretty big show out here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I usually. I think that's when you and I first started talking online, other than maybe liking random comments was I think you gave me advice about places to go to get some good pizza and shit next time I'm in Chicago. Yeah. yeah they, they love, they love their, we love our pizza and sausage and, you know, beefs sometimes uh, all together, but maybe hey, not pizza, maybe not, not with the pizza, you know, might as well save the time. I guess so. Huh? There's a lot of cool <laughs> shit to do around there. I usually go at least once a year because Riot Fest is on my birthday weekend, pretty much mm-hmm. ever since they moved from October to September. Where, where are you at? Me, I'm in Columbus, Ohio. Oh, you're not that far then. Nah, it's like six, six and a half hour drive, or uh, you know, drive up to Indianapolis and take the train. I think they're working on. I don't think it's going to happen, but they're working on uh, Columbus is a. Ten, one of the 10 or 20 finalists for some Futurama pneumatic tube thing somebody has suggested to travel <laughs> between Columbus, Chicago, and Pittsburgh. Yeah, well, that'd be pretty dope. Yeah. I, 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 I'd go to a lot more conventions that way. <laughs> the If it sets up the way they're talking about, and if it happens, it's like between Chicago and Columbus, 35 minutes crazy yeah they, they, they had to put me out though I'd, I'd uh i'd probably lose my shit yeah it it looks like uh from one of the drawings i saw in the paper here it looked like you can't see through the tube so it'd oh be like, i I, uh, I, w- I would probably need that then if, if i couldn't see through the tube that'd be nice <laughs> yeah it's just a half hour long water slide people are uh 
I'm, I'm one of those. I'm not claustrophobic all the way, but I, I, I feel uncomfortable in tight spaces sometimes. And mm-hmm. if I had to see me traveling that fast in this tube, especially being isolated in a tube, I'm like, no, <laughs> I couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Put me out. I feel like, tush, 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 tush. <laughs> you better run this shit like B.A. Baracus, man. <laughs> he, he can get in an opening. So... Sort of like uh, I told Court last time I had a podcaster on. I really doubt that anybody listening to this presently doesn't know who (coughs) you are. Oh, that's okay. Maybe uh, a couple people, who knows? (laughs) Just in case, please introduce me or yourself to me and uh, give me a little bit of a promo for your cool stuff. Well, my name is Darren Wilson. I do a show called the Psycho Semantic Podcast, and I live in Ohio or something. No, no, seriously though. Let me. <laughs> you want me? To, you want me to be recording this as well? Yeah, I mean. Okay, I'll do it right. Let me click the button real fast. <laughs> um, yeah, my name is Gary Hill. I'm from the South Suburbs of Chicago, Illinois, and I do a show called the Cinema, Cinema Beef Podcast with a. Uh, Two folks you might know, Jeffrey X. Martin and Jamie J. Sammons. I almost said Jenkins, but I did not. You know, I make that mistake all the time. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just a general film discussion show where we, well, now we, it's, it's, it's evolved a couple times. We find uh, a common a common theme of, of uh, in between three films. And some may be more obvious than others, and some may be... Real thinkers, if you think about it, and uh, and what I got coming up is uh is pretty amazingly a thinker, which really, really uh, only through my my mind's eye, or maybe four of the folks' mind's eye. But if I reach those four people, I feel like I'm doing a real good job. That that I feel I feel really great about it too. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I I try. I do my best to not put my foot in my mouth too much, but it 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 it's hard sometimes. You know. <laughs> so what made you was parallax view your first choice it, it, it was up there because when you, you gave me like the short list of stuff that you'd want to do like right away yes. i had i had parallax view in mind before you even said parallax view so because yes. it was a film that I, I saw probably within the last year or so because it was uh recommended to me by uh Gilbert Gottfried, of all people, on his his very amazing podcast. And he's no promotion here, but if you guys aren't listening, it's very funny shit. But um, they would do recommendations for films, him on his, his, his little mini episodes. And this one came up, and it's a uh, it's a film I enjoyed. I, I, I like to think of Warren Beatty on the right side of the law, since uh, you know I, I grew up uh, watching him as Dick Tracy in, the, in that film. And he was always kind of a big hero to me. And now he's, uh, and now you find out when you're older that he's quite the, the sex machine. And apparently <laughs> this one, p- political activist, if you will, or preventist, or whatever's going on in this movie, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I'm kind of surprised that I didn't watch this that often because I have been obsessed with, you know, uh, Alan, how do you say his last name? Alan J. Pakula? Pacula? I think so, yes. Um, since, yeah, I, I don't know what time it is, or what time in life, you know, I got really obsessed with crooked politicians. I think it was sometime around 13 or 14. 
But um, I was also a, started out as a journalism major in college. So I just sort of get a, got obsessed, you know, like this would have been in there, I think, a lot larger if I'd paid a little bit more attention to it. But there was all the president's men and uh, the paper. I would just, uh, movies like that, I would just end up watching at least two or three times a year. It was very romantic. I gotta ask, romantic how? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's like, uh, you know, stealing the analogy from that the newsroom show. There was a lot of Don Quixote trying to fight the windmills. Well, the, the, the windmill pushes back or... I should say the the Associated Press, especially nowadays, where people say, "Oh, look at all this stuff in the paper." I was like, "Yeah, just it's a smokescreen for what they don't want you to look at." Like every other day in Chicago, you see like the the murder rate in Chicago. I was like, "Yeah, it's just a smokescreen because I, I I'm not an idiot. <laughs> I, I came from the the the, 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 the upbringing of the Daly family, who supposedly uh, wink wink." are totally corrupted in the city of Chicago. And they, they cover a long line of corrupt p- politicians in the city of Chicago. And mm. they all, they all get a piece, if you know what I'm saying. There, there's no way they need that many aldermen. That's all, you know, they, they don't need that many. There's like 30 of them or something. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really weird when you get into, you know, the secrecy of things that, you know, this movie kind of got into. Um, Usually what I try to do is sort of a rough run through of the movie and just sort of talk about things that, you know, stood out or uh, something like that. It's not a really big review of the movie in the sense that you probably need to have seen it to get a lot of the stuff that we're talking about. But, you know, I'm still experimenting with style. So that's cool. uh, Just wherever the conversation goes. Um, a little bit of background for the movie. Uh, the Parallax View came out in 1974, and it was directed, as I said a couple minutes earlier, by Alan J. Pacula, or Pecula. I think he's not alive anymore. I might have. It's a distinct possibility of the, of the check our check with our fact checkers on that one. You know. <laughs> yeah. Um. But, you know, it stars Warren Beatty, and he he really carries the movie. You know, I kind of forget about some of the other people, but um, Hume Cronin? Yeah, that's his, uh, his journalist buddy. Yeah, and I, for some reason, I almost always think of him as the great uncle from Brewster's Millions. Oh, yeah, you should, you know. I think that's the first time I ever saw him. Didn't know his grandfather was a honky. (laughs) (laughs) His words, not mine, people, okay? Yeah. But if you want to call me a honky, I will not take offense. I'm not that kind of American. (laughs) And uh, Mr. Feeney from Boy Meets World, uh, Austin Tucker. And it's basically about Warren Beatty is an old school newspaper man, sort of throwing himself into stories with his glorious hair. And he uncovers something that sort of reminds me of uh, the Scientology tests. 
that you would see the personality in the personal inventory things yes the movie starts with the assassination of a politician very much like the assassination of uh, robert kennedy and then it goes to uh three years later i think it was yeah, he goes three. Yeah, three years later. Three years later, um, you know, the not Warren Commission has stated that it was a lone gunman and all that, and everybody goes on with their lives. Then all of a sudden, Warren Beatty runs into through a former contact that a lot of people around and involved in the assassination are strangely being killed or turning up dead he sort of smells the story bit by bit he works his way undercover finds some tests applies i really liked how uh they had that killer fill out the paper for him because they knew exactly what they were looking for i mean the question is that i i know he saw the paperwork inside the the the, the safety deposit box or inside the box or well, whatever yeah, he, he found it in the sheriff's uh Whatever his his apartment or whatever, but I, I know he he found this, but did he really apply or did they actually find him? Because it seemed like he was hot on the trail throughout the whole thing. Yeah, uh, that's one thing I started to wonder about when they knew who he really was. The last time I watched this through, sort of skipping ahead to the end, that had to take some pretty rad orchestration to. Uh, work it so he was up there in the catwalk what really stood out to you uh this last couple times you went through there like in comparison to things you've been seeing and noticing either in your newspaper world or in your seeing the interactions of people on facebook and press releases and the claims and the validity of news well, Facebook, you know, everybody's got their opinion, and you know, but I, I'm not, I'm uh, I'm not guilty of that. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I mean, to say I am guilty of that because I tell folks I'm, I'm barely educated, I'm, I'm kind of stupid at times, and I put my foot in my mouth, you know, and I, and I sometimes I do when I have my opinion about certain things, and everybody has their has their certain opinion or that's based on whatever facts the paper wants to put out mm-hmm. about. And any of the, the candidate you could think of, whether they run for the governor, you know, the Senate, or even the presidency, you know, you know, all stuff, all stuff comes out in the wash, I guess. Well, in the urine, as we're finding out, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's 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 all it, it almost becomes like a big joke after a while because what what they want to tell you and what you, what you what's the truth could be to, two totally different things and. The fact, like you mentioned, they had like the Warren Commission or like the, the fake Warren Commission at the beginning and at the very, very end, you know, saying, oh, there's basically saying there's nothing to see here, nothing to see here, which reminded me terribly of the, of the <laughs> whatever you called those people or you only saw their faces in the, the, the first Superman film. Guilty. Guilty. Oh, yeah. You know, it reminded me so much of that, like nothing to see here. <laughs> and, you know, there is no conspiracy. So just just walk away walk away you know we, we will give what evidence we want to give to you at a, at a later date yeah when we that, decide 
Yes, this is why I don't look at. I I work for the paper, but I don't I don't read the paper. <laughs> I I watch the BBC World News because it's kind of unbiased. You know that that that's every now and again I'll turn it on just because it's news that's 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 unbiased to to what's going on here because it's not put out over there over here it's put out over there so mm-hmm. yeah they're sort of there's that level of separation the objectivity that i guess you know news sources are supposed to do but they don't have to so most don't yeah, yeah. They mean, the mean the associated press is your worst enemy people because they're not put on news just in my paper, they're put on news for you in your paper as well. It's a it's a national thing. And you know, I, I think that yeah, like I say, they they read they make you read what they want you to read. Yeah, and some of the stuff based on fact, but it'll never be the it'll, it'll never be the whole truth because telling the, the mass I'll say it all day long. You think they got you got opinions now. Wait till yeah. they find out the whole truth, and then you know, boom! Riots in the streets, homes burning. It'll get real ugly. As I kind of thought of the Associated Press as the national "Let's get our story straight" consortium. It's like okay, yeah. you say everybody because it's true. Like I said, it's, 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 a, it's, it's a national thing that's put out the national many hundreds of thousands of newspapers all over the country. The same story. If you look at your, if you look at your newspaper, then it'll say right at the bottom, really, really small lettering, the associate, the Associated Press. That means you know that same story has been put out to many, many newspapers. And you'll see that a lot on a lot of TV news too, where mm-hmm. you could do cuts of fifty newscasts reading the same stuff, and they're not even in the same network. Yeah, it's true. Was it the early eighties? I. Well, you know, I'm not expecting you to know, uh, no, sort of pontificating, it, but was it the early 80s where a lot of protections got broken down and then the big companies came in and started swallowing up news sources? Well, yeah, I, I, I believe so. Either that or the, the, the really early 90s, the whole Time Warner thing and mm. Ted Turner owned everything and, you know. <laughs> uh Ted Turner, give you your news and tell your kids to save the planet all at the same time. <laughs> and go Atlanta Braves, yeah! Oh god, I forgot <laughs> he owned them. I don't know if he still does. I don't. I don't follow baseball that I, much I don't think he. I don't think he does. Uh, this movie was sort of sad that it covered so much that was going on at that time. You know, there was a lot of public distrust about. Political figures, political leaders, all getting murdered everywhere. It seemed like they really had something against, like that that real grassroots, the the, the people's candidate kind of thing. Because the two guys that they had, that you you see get assassinated in the film were, were really you know the people's candidate. He'll do stuff for the people, but will he? do everything that we want them to do. Like, you know, will he be our puppet if we ask him to? Mm-hmm. And that can be a very dangerous thing as, as far as, you know, the, the their agenda goes. Will, will this guy play ball, if you will? You know? <laughs> Johnny Dangerously? Yes, indeed, Johnny Dangerously, <laughs> you know. That's such a fun movie. It, it is. I don't know if you uh, 
caught the the Hail Ming episode on that. I don't think it's, it was too long ago. It was pretty great. Yeah, they they love that movie too. You know, when I was looking into this movie, I didn't know that a lot of people claimed it was a trilogy, sort of, by the director between that Clute and All the President's Men. I was trying to figure out what the connection was, besides they're all kind of thrillers. It's probably been 20 years since I've seen Clute. I don't know. Yeah, I haven't seen Clute. I've heard heard of Clute. I haven't seen yeah before though. I've heard of all. You know, I realize that President's Men is very political as well. As far as you know, seeing the journalism side of it, either you're into that or you're not into that. Um, I I I think it's good good enough. But I think that that part of it probably the same reason why I didn't like the film Spotlight. Is like yeah, this part of it's kind of boring in a lot of ways, but it's it's important. It's important at the same time. But I don't think I've seen but, um, Spotlight. I never. I, I, it's it's decent. As well, like I said, it, it's 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 much like it's much like all the presidents men. You see the, the the journalistic side of them finding out about these children and the clergy, mm. and if you like that sort of thing you like that sort of thing i'm not saying the performances are bad i'm just i just don't like that sort of thing yeah i prefer to, i prefer to see the other side of of that as far as film goes that makes sense you know especially with your your vocation you kind of see a little bit more of that without seeing it in a movie mhm i like how the movie was bookended with the the fake Warren Commission people. But, you know, I was just thinking about where uh, where I thought and where you would think the top of this pyramid goes. Who's paying the bills, so to speak? You know, is the Parallax Corporation the CIA? Or are they uh, separate things, sort of like uh, ISIS in Archer? Well, I I really couldn't tell you. They really don't tell you, really. It's just one of those things where I think that, well, he says they're in the business of training assassins. And and I guess through subliminal, whatever you want to call it, you know, because there's that scene where he's sitting in that big old chair and watching the images pop up on screen. And I guess that was was supposed to uh, make you churn, I guess, like in... The, the film Pontypool, or the the, the stories Pontypool, you know, where words, you know, in this case, words, in this case, images, you know, could be as deadly as anything else, but that was more supernatural. This is more, you know, in your face. Like, if you watch television and you, you see a commercial for a Big Bag, you're not necessarily going to want a Big Bag, but eventually you might want a Big Bag. Whereas, if you're watching all these images flash very quickly on screen... You may want to kill a senator, but then again, maybe you won't. <laughs> it, it all depends how sharp your mind is, I guess, you know. Yeah, I uh, I wrote down all the words and in what order they came up. I don't know if you're willing to experiment with me here for a second, and I'll read them, and we'll see if we want to grow mullets and uh, kill somebody. Sure. Welcome to the testing room of the Parallax Corporation's Division of Human Engineering. 
You will now please cross to the chair. And you will sit down. Make yourself comfortable. And be sure to place each one of your hands on the box on either side of the chair. Making sure that each one of your fingers is on one of the white rectangles. Just sit back. Nothing is required of you except to observe the visual materials that are presented to you. Be sure to keep your fingers on the box at all times. All right. We hope you find the test a pleasant experience. Love, mother, father, me, home, country, God, enemy, happiness, father, mother, home, happiness, me, Country, enemy, me, father, country, enemy, happiness, me, country, God, country, me, happiness, country, me, love, Father, me love. Happiness. Me love happiness. We'll please proceed to our offices. Thank you for your cooperation. How do you feel? I feel like I want a Philly steak sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's not the same. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, but I thought it was really cool that, uh, you know, the way they shot that, you know, having it go dark and then we're all watching the, uh, the parallax movie or whatever they want to call it, the final job interview. I don't know mm -hmm. if they were testing his body bodily reactions you know since he had to have his hands down on the chair because they were very specific in how they wanted him to sit but yeah it's more like they'd like almost played into like the obedience you know, are you willing to follow all the instructions you know are you willing to answer all these questions and will you will you, will you sit still for this this handy dandy minute and a half video Featuring yeah. the featuring Marvel's favorite Norse god Thor, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, and he came up, I think, right after uh, the word "me" once and mm -hmm. "God" once. I don't know if there are any other. Probably, times. If anything, he's the least American thing about this movie. You know? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Um, so after he gets 
all that shit, you know, he gets all the way in. They send him out for his first assignment, but he's following people around because he recognized the dude from pic- the pictures uh, of the original assassination, I think. Uh, at least, you know, the, fr- the frame froze and he something clicked on him. And that's who I thought that was. Yeah. Sorry, one second, Derek. Oh, it's cool. All right, I'm back. Sorry about that. Oh, no problem, man. Uh, you were super patient with me when I was fucking everything up earlier. It's the very least I could do. Like I call that the pre-show because I, I do it often. I, hmm. I got my stuff ready to go right in showtime. So, <laughs> yeah, talk amongst yourselves, people. <laughs> I'm still moving stuff around and trying out different stuff. Uh, I've recorded a couple times at my kitchen table. Like the Baz. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying out my garage today. I just uh, closed my door and hopefully nobody makes too much noise and, you know, <laughs> go from there. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, so he um, he's following the guy and sort of, you know, still doing his, his reporter stuff. Tracks him onto a plane where there's a, assumedly a bomb. Uh, because there's the congressman and, uh, you know, for some reason I'm blanking on if it's, uh, Mr. Hammond who is in the big empty room at the end, or if it's his opponent that's on the plane, I thought it was his opponent. And that way, if everything had worked out in this movie, both candidates were targeted Mm -hmm. by the same company or whoever. Well, didn't the plane explode though? Because all, all you see is the, um, like the the you hear a noise, and you hear like the, the see like the wobbling of the windows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did the plane I, explode anyway, or, or what, what happened there? Uh, the the plane exploded anyway, but because of his uh, secret napkin message to the stewardess, yes. they got rerouted and landed. And unless he was off first. They showed him being off the plane, so assumedly the plane had been evacuated and then it exploded. Yes. So he stopped that one. And I think if it already hadn't happened before, that's when Parallax knew who the fuck he was. Yeah. For real. And, you know... Because they, 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 they have shady men in disguise everywhere, apparently, even... uh. Even they have their own paper hats and everything. Yeah, uh, <laughs> to, that to, was... to bring to bring Hume Cronin his copy, <laughs> or, or or his death, if you will. Yeah. yeah, death by tuna salad sandwich and medium coffee. Um, well, that, that that tuna salad is delicious, by the way. Just not just not this situation, man. Yeah, uh, you know. Uh, I just kind of felt bad. Well, I felt bad for him as soon as Warren Beatty said, don't let anything happen to you. You're the only person that knows about me. I was like, oh, well, he's he's going to die. And then, Man, that's, that's, that's usually the case. That, that one guy knows what you're doing and that one guy gets bumped off. But, but apparently he wasn't that one guy who knew what he was doing because, yeah, they, they found him and they found his his recordings. Yeah, they uh, found his recordings, took out any connection he had to the past. 
he's already dead to most people and then they move him in like you know the whole movie is like a chess match and you know the first time through you think he's gonna stop the assassination and it's gonna be great and there's gonna be a story and it'll vindicate his wild reckless methods to get the story one of my favorite parts of the conclusion is that all you see is the 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 rifle sitting on the grate. Mm-hmm. You don't see you don't see who fires the rifle. You don't see the rifle fired. You got to assume that it was one of the the bad guys who are walking, or one of the the guards, supposed guards, are walking the catwalk. Mm-hmm. But it could have been him at the same time. It's never shown who 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 takes the shot. Yeah, and they. So so did their subliminal, you know, dick, dickery work on him? You don't know. Yeah. You, you, you just hear, you just see the shot. You just see that the, 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 the senator or the, the, gets shot or the, the, the potential senator gets shot. And then that, that's that's all you see. You don't see who takes the shot. So that's I think that's one of the greatest parts about the movie is that you don't know if, if their agenda worked. Yeah. And then, then uh, they shoot the rifle being back where it was after the shooting. Mm-hmm. And that could have also been, you know, conditioning. This is where you pick up the rifle. This is where you set it back down. And then he's climbing his way through the catwalk from the same level where that was right before he gets back up onto the higher one. And just like... At the beginning, since they're doing all these bookends, you know, like uh, in the first assassination, there's the guy with the backup gun, just in case. And then they chase him on onto the roof and then make sure he dies. So the fake Warren Commission, like at the end, comes back, does pretty much a verbatim but slightly changed version of what they said. Uh, other than changing the name, I think there was a different arbitrary length of time between the no questions press conference and the releasing of the uh, further information. And then, and I, I think another one of my, my favorite things about that scene—it's—it's it's a great scene. Mm-hmm. But everybody in the catwalk is faceless, even when even when uh, Warren Beatty gets shot. By, by his uh, supposed, you know, could be his assassin, could be a policeman. You, you don't know what it is because the yeah. guy's, wearing, guy's wearing a suit, clearly, but he's faceless. Everybody's faceless except for Warren Beatty. And I think that adds something to, you know, the, the your thoughts and, like, who could have really done this? It's, it's, a re- it's a real head-scratcher at the end of this movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Sort of leaving everybody with the uh, ambiguity that they're left with in the real life events that this was sort of based upon or inspired by, and I, I, I'd like to think, especially the further back you seem to go with American movies, the less stupid they think the audience is. Mm-hmm. And um, I like that, you know, it's kind of through the story and through the way it was made, it still ends with think for yourself. You don't know. All you know is what I showed you. Uh-huh. 
I think I looked up parallax because I was curious all the different definitions it had. But it, you know, it's a parallax refers to the difference in direction of an object when seen from different viewpoints. I think that's, you know, that's obviously why the word was chosen. Yes. But, you know, kind of <clears throat> hammers home the point. Well, I, I like to think the films, especially made, you know, in the 70s and even the early 80s, like films like The Manhattan Project, which is much more lighthearted than this film. <laughs> <clears throat> but essentially it's about a kid who, who whose mother's begging John Lithgow, who happens to work for a place that produces plutonium. So he decides he's going to make his own atomic bomb for for a for a science project by stealing some plutonium from uh, Mama's boyfriend's facility. But this is a film that could not be made today. We have people who are afraid of like bombs and terrorism and in general, what, what how what, what a kid could do with, with some spare parts, especially like in that movie. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it would never be made today. This film would never be made today. Although it kind of was, because I think the Russo brothers were, were watching the Parallax View and the Manchurian Candidate. Yeah. When they just, they decided, decided to make uh, Captain America Civil War, you know? Because <laughs> the Winter Soldier is kind of the same thing. They kind of use the words to, to, to activate him, if you will. And in, mm. But uh, he's not our Bucky anymore. He's this Winter Soldier. And... He he was supposedly not our Warren Beatty anymore, and I, I and I, I fully believe that their their thing worked, and he, almost like he would have blacked out for a second there when he took the shot, and all of a sudden like what you know it was like what happened you know yeah and there's the gun again, sort of similarly but a less cool movie. Last night, uh, my wife and I had uh, sort of at home date night. She'd been wanting to watch the last Hunger Games. Oh, yeah. They're they're not bad films. Yeah, uh, and I was really... uh, I saw all the other ones beforehand because, you know... Yeah, I was was interested. I know it's like, oh, you know, it's Battle Royale, but, you know, cheesier and American, but... um, It is, and I'll I'll say that all day long. Definitely (laughs) that first one. You know, uh, but the last... We watched uh, parts one and two because it seems like every trilogy is four movies long. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> got got attack on those ten endings, Peter Jackson. You know, <laughs> but this is the last time I get to make a Hobbit movie <laughs> until we do the Silmarillion or something. Something like that, yeah. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, that's really fucking long. I can make that into a ten movie series. Um, but have you, you've seen the whole, uh, Hunger Games? I think I've seen the first two, but I haven't, I, I have them all somewhere that I have a <laughs> massive digital library on, on my Voodoo account and I just haven't watched them all yet. Mm. Well, I'll keep this vague, uh, vague enough that you having seen the first two. I don't care about spoilers. You can oh. go to town. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, uh... <laughs> That dude, the the blonde guy, Peta, yeah, that, uh, was the baker, and everything. Uh, there's a point in the movies where uh, they're doing back and forth propaganda, and he's in the Capitol saying stuff for uh, Donald Sutherland's uh, the president to the resistance, and he's been brainwashed and. Uh, 
to do something when a specific trigger happens and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't know. It just kind of happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I, think, I think, I think, I think, I think it's funny that his name is PETA and he's, he's, uh, not, not, he's, he's a baker, so he's not promoting bread, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's, uh, but yeah, I can see, I can see that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I still think I held back some of the information, but, uh, like you said, you don't care about spoilers, but you know, especially the way rhetoric is going at the very least, if not reality, uh, it's kind of an interesting time to finish watching the hunger games. Yes, uh, the, the orange face inauguration is, is upon us. Yes. It's and I'm pretty sure week. we're all still going to be standing on solid ground when it's over with. But you know, that's that's just me talking shit. You know? <laughs> no, like, I le- I'm very reactive, as you've seen since we're friends on Facebook. And, you know, so no, I, I, I'd like if, you, like you said, you don't, you know, you don't really get all up in arms about stuff. But if you don't want to talk about it, that's totally cool. But, you know, I'd like to get oh, your I'm, take. I'm not going to I'm not going to be offended either. I'm, I'm not <laughs> I'm not that person. So, <laughs> right. Uh, what's your sort of summary rundown of what you think is going to happen the next short while in our our great land? Well, I'm one of those people that, that, that think that I, I like to see how it's going to play out. Mm-hmm. He, he's he's hired the, these certain people <clears throat> to do to fix the supposedly fix certain things. So I, I'm going to see after the first hundred days just to see what happens. Yeah, you know, t- t- take it like take that any way you want it, guys. Okay, <laughs> I'm not I'm not a Democrat. I'm not a Republican. I, I've started my own party. I'm the Realist Party. Okay, there you go. The the the, the only the only law I believe in is Murphy's. Because then anything can and will happen, no matter who you put in office. Okay, it, it, it's it's just it's just the way it is. But I, I think you guys backed the wrong donkey. Because if you guys are the back somebody, and this is not a male chauvinist point of view, somebody with a cock and balls, i.e. Bernie Sanders, you guys are gonna be bitching three quarters as much as you guys are right now. So he'd be he'd be right where he'd be right where Trump is. Because uh, I think uh, in 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 the eyes of uh, most Americans who who would have voted for a Democratic candidate, they would have voted for a male over a pushy female, and that's that's not me talking. That's idiots talking, and the idiots went to the polls. Oh yeah, they did, uh, and they spoke. You know, so yeah, cock and balls. They ain't ready yet, man. That, that's that's all. That's all I'm saying. It's just their. A lot of people are afraid of things they don't know about, and too few people try to learn. I think. Yeah. I still have my uh, Bernie Sanders for president T-shirt. Uh, <laughs> that's. They should have did it, man. They should have did it. Oh, they, they dropped. They dropped the ball on that one. That's all I'm saying. I'm, I'm just again. Be, be put my foot in my mouth again. You know, I do these things. I. I I'm Italian and Irish. We're, we're, we're a fiery bunch. <laughs> as long as, you know, I'm cool with, you know, people disagreeing with me or telling me they think I'm wrong. As long as, you know, like we haven't really disagreed on anything or whatever. But, um, you know, discourse, 
back and forth. It seems like a lot of people are just shouting each other down. Well, that that's why this is a discussion, and it's not a it's not an argument, you know. <laughs> yeah. It, it, unless you tell me that you like you, you want to go burn Jews in your backyard, then we might have a disagreement. Yeah. Then you know, yeah. but as far as the as far as the way you feel about government, the way I feel about government, I'll tell you nine ways to say. Like I said before, I'm I'm not as edgy. I'm not I'm not fifty percent as educated as some other people. So I am stupid, and I probably have uh, have unlearned more than I know. You know? <laughs> but you know a lot about movies. Uh, well, yeah, because movies are an escape for, from <laughs> you know the stuff we're t- <laughs> the, the the arguments we're talking about right now. You know? <laughs> I always I, find I, myself. I, I, oh, go ahead. I, I'd much rather go home and watch Quigley Down Under than, than argue with somebody about whether Trump's going to push the button on a bomb or something. <laughs> yeah, I I always end up watching more horror movies during mm-hmm. uh, election cycles, especially because yeah, like you're saying, it's it's just different kind of scary, different kind of fun nervousness, you know. Instead mm-hmm. of everybody like, oh my fucking god, oh my fucking god. Did you, did you did you did you see what they what he what he said this time on the news? Did you see what he said? It's like, yeah, but you know what? He he's a blowhard. Yeah, I, he, you know he's you know he's a blowhard. You know by how many wives he's had that that he he's uh he's controversial. I'm, I'm not saying he's abrasive, yes, and I'm not saying that you sh- you shouldn't talk about him. I'm just telling you, I just, I just don't want to hear about it. Next form of conversation. Gee, how's the weather in New Mexico? You know. Have you been to Mexico? Is it warm there? I hope it is. No, I'm just making a raw generalization. Let's like let's change the subject, please. You know. <laughs> I don't know if I said this during the recording or not, but uh, my folks were pretty politically active people in the '60s. So, like a lot of them, when they got older, they bought you know land out in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. and uh, my parents and some friends owned some land outside Albuquerque. And every once in a while, we'd all get in the fucking Volkswagen bus and <laughs> drive out there. Um, and then I played a show there once on tour. Nice. Um, but the weather's generally nice, uh, <laughs> to answer your rhetorical question. Well, that's good. <laughs> Not that I don't care about the weather in New Mexico. It's just one of those things that... <laughs> yeah. Hey, by the way, have you seen the price of milk lately? You know, something something else, you know. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy, man. <laughs> it's a lot easier to find common ground on the price of milk. It's like how am I gonna eat my grape nuts now? See, that's that's a that's a general need. Sustenance. It's one of the basic human needs. Yeah. Eating, eating drinking, and, and, and evacuating your bowels. <laughs> Occasionally, your bowels become your mouth, and you just start talking shit. And, you know, either the shit talking comes from a good place, or, or even an educated place, or it comes from an educated place, and you, you're trying to do some good in the world, or it comes from an educated place, and you just want folks to hear you talk. Hmm. I'm talking to you, TV's Blossom, me and Bialik on Facebook. Just oh. bitching about, oh man, she's fucking terrible. I haven't uh, seen her on Facebook. I, I follow her on Facebook just to, just to see her stupid rants, you know, because it, it starts positive and then she just starts talking shit about, oh, there was another threat on 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 seven Jewish schools in California. What am I going to tell my children? We should tell your children the world's an imperfect place, 
And that, that's, that's just the way it is, you know? It's just changes what the problem is, just sort of cycles around. You're, 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 not gonna explain, you're not going to explain everything to, you, to your five-year-old child. Just tell them that, you know, the world's an imperfect place and there's a lot of ugliness out there. But there's a lot of good, too, you know? I'm um, sort that's of learning... That's why, social media is, that's why social media is so dangerous, you know. Unless you get something magical, like, if you, I don't know if you guys see this this week, but or when this is going to be released. But Mark Hamill reading Donald Trump's tweets as the Joker oh, is one of the was, best things you'll hear all week. You it know? was so awesome. And it was, it was the New Year's well-wishing fuck you tweet, right? Yeah, it's one of the best things you'll hear all week is Mark Hamill as the Joker reading Donald Trump's tweets. I, I hope he, uh, he keeps doing that btw best joker ever right that's my favorite joker yeah 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 oh so fucking good i haven't watched the show in a long time i gotta find that it's it's Uh, it's not it's not political but whenever i see names and then oh who's the best joker ever i was like yeah hamill's on the list uh do your (laughs) list again right (laughs) Uh, um yeah i like you know i'll probably have to figure out how to rein myself in at some point but you know, the movies on this show are just sort of the spark of conversation. I think as long mm-hmm. as we're having a good talk, uh, we'll take it wherever. I think my first Joker was uh, Nicholson because, uh, th- where did that come out? 89 or something like that? See, I, I can't remember if it was my, my first one because I remember watching a lot of 60s Batman as a child. mm so I have a feeling that Cesar Romero was my first Joker. Yeah, no, he wouldn't. He wouldn't shave his mustache, right? No, it's especially you can watch the Blu-rays now. That thing is thick. It <laughs> just it just sticks out of that white makeup like crazy. Yeah, he he was a fun one. I you know I didn't really watch the shows until later. And I mean, we all watched oh, there's, them later. There's 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 never been a bad one ever. I don't think. There's been bad, you know, some other folks, but not, not the Joker. In the Batman comics, um, I think the Joker was why I read them, like read any of them. The comic books that I'm into are mostly like my dad had a bunch of the old uh, Zap comics and shit from the 60s that R. Crumb drew for. Mm-hmm. And uh, then he gave me a bunch of the superhero type ones and I just kind of ignored him and then um one of my bands rented practice space up above a comic book store for about Mm -hmm. 10 years and the dude put on all ages shows and it was really cool but he sort of took it like a challenge to find comics that i'd be into so when the walking dead came out he gave me the first issue and showed me a bunch of the more Short run stuff. I'd like you to be reading like a bunch of eight eight ball and stuff like that, man. Yeah. My my cousin had those books. I, I had no idea what was going on, but I appreciate them more as an adult now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some really cool shit. And then uh there's a sorta of local artist. He lives up north in Cleveland, but he lived in Akron. He went to college at Ohio State where I went. Uh Durf Backdurf. I don't know if you know him. He did. Uh, he did a graphic novel called "My Friend Dahmer" because they went to high school together. And oh, I, I don't know this. So I know folks might be interested though, especially ones that listen to your show. Yeah, uh, it's 
It's really cool stuff. Um, he did that forever ago as a, you know, 30 or whatever page self-funded comic. And oh, then yeah. uh, he ended up expanding it and making it into a full-size graphic novel. Um, nice. Yeah, I uh, first read that in school. I had, since I was a change from a journalism major by suggestion of my academic advisor, uh, to the ever more useful creative writing degree. <laughs> um, <laughs> I had an English class about uh, history through comics. So we did Safe Area, Garage Da, and uh, Mouse and my friend Dahmer and stuff like that. But I really kind of took to it. And, you know, when somebody's from around where you're from, you might have a little extra interest in it. So I just, uh, he did one called Punk Rock and Trailer Parks about the Northern Ohio punk music scene in the 70s. My friend Dahmer is probably my favorite, but it's it's really cool. They're ma- they just uh, made a movie uh, that they shot here in Ohio. Should be coming out in the next year or so. Nice. Yeah. Hit me with some links of, uh, after after the show, and I'll uh, I'll do my best to check them out. Yeah, I think you you probably like at least one of the things he did. Oh yeah, I mean I've I've been, I've been going to comic cons for the better part of a decade or no, probably closer to fifteen years though, and I always see guys in uh what they call artist alley at a convention at a comic show. Where they're just pushing their books, and you know, if I have some extra shekels, I'll I'll, I'll slip of that five or ten dollars for to to feed a starving artist, and <laughs> I made I made some good friends that way. So that that worked out pretty well on both ends. Cool, yeah. Uh, I haven't been to too many conventions. I went to one at uh, at or near the Monroeville Mall. Uh, and I talk about Steel Steel City Comic Con, huh? Yeah, yeah. I think that's the one I went to. Uh, yeah, that's for, the that's the big ago. that's the big one that right across from the mall. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy from earlier mentioned Comic Shop uh, sent me and a couple friends. Uh, we helped run a booth, and uh, we were peddling our. He put us in one of his comic books that he put out, uh, sort of a black and white zombies attack a punk show sort of thing nice so i went to that one and then there's one in columbus uh at the convention center uh there's a bigger one uh that just started two years ago called uh cartoon crossroads columbus cool um it's sort of a partnership between uh cartoon library that we have at ohio state i don't know if you've uh looked them up they just got uh, a brand new space a couple years ago. There's a really cool cartoon museum where they have old, you know, the, like the old newspapers where cart comics first started showing up and people donate uh, collections and stuff. It's a pretty rad spot. That's where I had my comic book class. The Cartoon Library and the Wexner Center for the Arts are sort of the bigger university connected things and it's a uh, weekend long with events going on all around the city uh you know <clears throat> that artist durf was there uh yeah i'm just kind of rambling on uh <laughs> oh it's okay it's okay seemed like something you might want to check out i think it's in october every year 
Okay. Um, usually they get in some bigger names uh, for the events. So definitely somebody that probably knows a lot more about the comic book world. You probably recognize a lot more. Well, probably the next in the past like fifteen years or so. <laughs> but I was actively reading comics. Yes. Yeah. How long ago did you meet Leah Thompson? If I well, can... that was um that was like uh that was last year, last June when I went to Knoxville to go hang out with my co-host and we went to uh, the Fanboy Expo out there in Knoxville, Tennessee. She she was there and uh. It was supposed to be her and Annie Potts, but you know that would have been like my my Johnson may have exploded kind of deal. But uh, <laughs> too much at yeah, one I, time. Yeah, too much at one time, man. It would have, it would have been insane. But she had to cancel, so I was slightly disappointed. But uh, that that now, uh, Leah Thompson was not a disappointment. I imagine is. Uh, I feel safe in asking this because you know you don't want to find out that people you were in love with since you saw Howard the Duck. Uh she seems like a nice person. She was a real sweet. She was a sweetheart. Yes, indeed. Was that the first time uh, you saw her, uh, Howard the Duck? Yes, or was yes. It something else. I, I saw it way too early. I, I'd say when, when I, I I may have hit puberty when I turned nine years old. When I, when I saw her crawling her ass across that bed, you know. Yeah, that was that was a easily memorable moment. This many years later. Um. Yeah, I was still, still very, still very striking, very striking for me. Yes, there's always that little bit in the back of my mind when I think about her when it's not Howard the Duck or the teenager Back to the Future. Is I really had a big crush on her as Dennis the Menace's mom. I don't know if it's the yeah, yeah it's, it kind of is, man. Because I, I, it's almost like weird how my taste of him. Uh have changed over the years. I, I blame Helen Mirren for this. <laughs> I, I don't know how to explain these things, but I got to think for Helen Mirren. So, but, uh, it's mostly because of teaching Mrs. Tingle, which made, 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 made uh, my parts start to tingle for her. <laughs> and then you find out like in earlier movies, she got naked and things and I'm fine with that. You know? So yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm all, I'm all for the, the, the milfs and the silver foxes. <laughs> Yeah, I like I like that phrase, that term. Silver fox is better than uh, gilf. But, yes, that's that's a little gross. Yeah. yeah, silver fox, silver fox is more classy. People. Yeah, foxy. Remember, silver fox over gilf. In the next coming election. Yes, indeed. I was wondering if I was crazy in imagining that. Uh, Parallax views seemed to be what Fletch might have been inspired by? It's, it's, it's been so long since I've seen Fletch that so you didn't explain this to me. I don't... Okay. Uh, in Fletch, Chevy Chase plays a wild and loose newspaper reporter that uses different aliases all the time that stumbles into a plot... Uh, involving heroin and murder and he goes undercover and then he you know gets involved with the people that are in charge of everything that's going on then a sheriff tries to kill him (laughs) like uh what happened at the dam in the parallax view yeah and it's all it's all coming back to me now yes you know it's like uh I don't 
I don't think anybody could really parody, aside from Mel Brooks, I don't think anybody could really parody movies as well like the Marx Brothers did. Mm-hmm. But it seemed like a 1980s version to, you know, turn the thriller into a comedy and take by using yeah, the skeleton. Now I gotta watch Fletch now. See, <laughs> I have it somewhere. I know I do. Uh, yeah, I don't. It was on uh, Netflix or something like that for a while. Last right when I first started uh, having trouble sleeping a lot mm-hmm. again, you know, it goes through cycles. Uh, and I would always end up just like, oh, I guess I'll watch Fletch. Uh... I guess it's better than Fuller House. <laughs> You know, I saw uh, two episodes of that with my niece and nephew, and I was, I love them dearly, but I'm glad they left, and I could turn it <laughs> off. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what, why, uh, you know, I can't understand why that show came back other than, seems like a lot of people are running out of ideas. Well, they call that the nostalgia view. Not, oh. not the parallax view, you know, because <laughs> like, oh, we'll get a reunion going and people will watch it. And you know what? They came out in droves to watch it. Yeah, and I think people are probably hate watching it, too. But it's, it's not even that, because they, they, I heard somebody mention, this is a sound theory, that if Netflix didn't release television shows the way they do, where they give you like a whole season that they know you're going to binge watch, if it worked on a week-to-week basis like a regular television show... The shows wouldn't work. Mm. If you watch, you know, Orange is the New Black, which is the show I've watched all of so far, and I have enjoyed. Same here. And it it, it runs like a train to, to where they, they, you know, much like the... It's, it's so funny I'm making this analogy we're talking about subliminal advertising <laughs> or subliminal suggestion. It's like in this movie... It runs like a train because they know you're going to sit your your ass on the couch with some Totino's pizza rolls and some Coca-Cola to to binge watch at least four episodes at a time. Yeah, you know. Because this is why they come out on Fridays to say, (laughs) hey, you got your weekend to sit your fat ass on the couch and watch some Netflix programming. You know, you know, you're going to do it. We will not interrupt you with. And now a word from our sponsors. We'll just... no, com- no commercials. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Oh, necrophilia. It's a dead issue, man. Don't, don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, prudes. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could it's get out of here. unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this movie. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this, like, little nerd glee with everything that kept Little history up. doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. 
hey, I know why you, you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped from watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was How did you watch movie. this shit at 12? Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. Hi, I'm Joe Parker, and I'd like to invite you to check out my show, The Hybrid Moments Podcast. I'm just an average guy with a slew of interests, and the podcast is an extension of that. The theme of the show varies episode by episode, but some of the topics I cover include horror, music, comics, just about anything but politics. So if you like a little variety in your life, come on by and check out the show. You can find me on iTunes or Stitcher, or check out the website, thehybridmomentspodcast.com. You can also join the group on Facebook at The Hybrid Moments Podcast in the group section. Feel free to mingle, leave feedback, or suggestions for future shows. That's The Hybrid Moments Podcast with Joe Parker. Tune in to see what I cover next. Like, like like the feeding tube of of, of a vegetable. Yeah. yeah, I mean I mean a human vegetable that is, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm working on the theory, uh when I write it's usually uh creative nonfiction type shit and you know, uh ramblings, depending on who I write for or if I'm just putting it out myself on uh my website. Um been sort of turning the idea around. Uh have you ever read the book Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? I, I know what the movie's based off of, but I haven't watched the movie. You know, I mean, I haven't, I haven't read the book. No, I'm not, I'm not a big reader. I, I used to read a lot in high school, but not so much now. Right on. I don't think it's in any. I have the whole uh, suitcase box set thing of all the Blade Runners, and I usually watch one or two different versions. Uh, I don't think it's really in there. Uh, the mood organ. Do you remember? Is it? I don't think that's really in the in the movie. But there's a thing everybody has at their house. You basically tell it how you want to feel. And it does it for you. And so I've been kind of working on, like, my Xbox is my mood organ. Hook myself into it, and depending, you know, watching horror movies or trying to escape with some more comedy. Something like that. I don't know, it's kind of a thing that keeps popping in my head especially with all the previews i've been seeing for the new blade runner oh i'm not i'm not the biggest blade runner fan and i'm i'm actually i'm actually pretty bored by the film and maybe i need to have a run through it of it again mm-hmm. this is not insulting anybody because i know people who who love the film love that freaking film <laughs> i'm just not i'm just not one of those people who love the film i love things about the film yeah, I, I, I love the James Hong's a thing in that film, and Rutger Hauer's a thing in that film, and I'm just not really invested in it, like like some folks are. Are you? It's uh... it's, it's, it's like Baba films, you know, like Blood and Black Lace. It's a pretty <laughs> film to watch. You know, that don't make it a good movie though. You know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, is that uh, basically what what you get from uh, Ridley Ridley Scott movies, or not, not all of them? Just I, 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 you take everything at a singular basis, sort of like you do with your your politics. Oh yeah, I, I don't I don't think that you know one director. I think every director can, can make a make a good film that I will enjoy. You know, even even for the masses. Because like I said, I know lots of folks who love who love Blade Runner. Mm-hmm. I'm just not one of those people. So I'm not gonna say, "Yo, your fucking movie fucking sucks, man," because that's not the case. Because I know it's well beloved. Yeah, you know it's. To each his own, or her they, own. They, own. There you go. To each Whether their you, own. 
like whether it be popular or unpopular, I've come out about certain horror films that I don't particularly enjoy <laughs> that, that are well loved by millions of people. It's like, what? You're fucking crazy, man. Like, <laughs> well, no, I just don't happen to enjoy them all that much like you guys do. I, I think me and the Baz have the, the, the I think the, he just re-released that review of the first Halloween film, the first Friday the 13th film. Mm. And me and the Baz had much, much of the same viewpoints, you know, like, how can Mrs. Voorhees, see your sister, have this retard strength to be hanging folks by the wall willy-nilly? Did she have a, a, a helper? You don't know these things. You just happen to have this strength to, to toss folks through windows and such. And, you know. Yeah. Don't give me that. Don't give me that. When a mother's thing is, when a mother's will is so strong, she can lift the car off of her baby bullshit. No. <laughs> her baby's already been smashed by the car. Yeah. Yes, it, yes it has. That poor <laughs> sloth looking bastard. Mommy? Yeah, exactly. Baby? Baby? <laughs> oh, my God. I think I got hit with that movie at the right right time to install the nostalgia some of these movies need to have to... Not necessarily... I mean, I don't think you dislike the movie or anything. No, I don't, no. But there, you know, there, are, there are parts of it I like. Yeah. But, but, but as a whole, it, it takes a while for me to get there, you know? <laughs> I always enjoy it. I I didn't like that, uh, you know, how some stuff is cut out. I'm sure somebody's already said this, uh, but I got the less cut version when I got the Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's some extended scenes, but I think I kind of want the more cut version. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but. Uh, there's, there's like five cuts of that movie. So what, what could be crazy different about between each cut, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, in this gonna... one, you can in this one you can clearly see Harrison Ford is masturbating in this scene for about two seconds. You know, <laughs> that's that's the definitive final cut with, with those two seconds added. Thanks, Ridley. You know. Yep, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta make a make another payment on the house, so I'm gonna release another box set. <laughs> um, you know, him I'm... and George, him, him and George Lucas just hanging out, making plans for different releases. Was there anything we skipped over in the movie that you really enjoyed? Um, I I just enjoy like that. It, it's very fast paced. You, you, it starts right from the beginning, whereas a lot of these pol- political things, what political films are very slow burns. It, it takes you a while to get there, but you 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 know right from the beginning of the film that something's going on, as far as you know, people getting assassinated and people being shady about the details let you know what you want to know because it goes right after right after right after like you say you got this precarious journalist who's hot on the trail or so he thinks he is but at the same time you got all these opposition that are only going to let him know what he wants to know and i have no idea why he was fishing in that one scene with with, with the sheriff but when he (laughs) he slashes him in the face with a pole it's kind of hilarious yeah that's like Uh, a pole whip and no, it's just very fast paced. Whereas a lot of these films, especially like all the presidents, men, you, you may be bored by a film like that. If you're your you're average movie goer watcher, although it's got all these accolades and blah, 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 blah. But the parallax view is a political thriller who, that it, it, it goes and, you know, I don't think you'd be bored by this film at all. Cause nah. it, like you said, it's got the, that, that beginning part, which is, it, it begins and ends the same way basically saying, you know, everything you know is what we're going to tell you to know. And 
that there is there is no happy ending. There is no end to to, to this, and it's it's got a great fuck you ending, and I love the fuck you ending. But in this one, it's so bleak. You you, you don't know if it's a fuck you ending or not. Really, like I said, I mentioned like the catwalk scene is very very important mm-hmm. in in your interpretation of what of who shot you know the person. You, yeah. you don't know if if their plan worked. You don't know if it didn't. That's the point. You come up with your own interpretation, kind of like the the end of uh, Aronofsky's The Wrestler mm, when when Randy, j- yeah, they, they 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 cut the credits. Did he have a heart attack and die in the ring? You don't know. You're not meant to know. Yeah, you you, you make your own interpretation of oh he he won he won the match and he had all those accolades and that's gonna be his last match or did he drop dead? You're 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 left your own interpretation. And Aronofsky's one of those directors that I don't like everything he's done, but mm-hmm. I, li- I like I like what he does. And uh, <laughs> as far I don't know, I never, I never seen Noah, so, so I couldn't tell you if that's any good or not. But I've seen everything else, and he he has a talent of doing that. And this film is no exception. It's not made by Aronofsky, of course, but it, it's really great at leaving you up to your own interpretation of what's of what's going to happen next. Which is this cycle is going to continue for this this supposed end quote? I, I'm using finger quotes here. Corporation <laughs> to uh, use this corporation to, as, as their own means, as far as making the the, the way the the world run the, the the way they wanted to. That's pretty well said. Yeah, I uh, I didn't see Noah either. That's one of his movies that I skipped. I usually don't watch uh, religious movies. Uh, I like Life of Brian a lot, but I don't know if <laughs> that's allowed to be in the pantheon of religious films. I mean, it should be, but yeah, uh, you know, History of the World. Uh, yeah, you can, you, can, you can like that too. You know, <laughs> got these fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> ten, ten commandments. It's so funny, man. Um, hang on one second. Okay. Sorry about that. No, no worries, man. Um, I know it's. I've had you talking for a little while now, so I don't know if you. No, are... no, it's fine. They're just being loud in my house. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I was like, hey, on a second, let me mute this real fast. And, uh, um. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't watch a whole lot of religious films either. It's just one of those things where. When the, when the passion came out, I had no desire to see that. And, you know, a Christian just, you know, ca- capitalizing off whatever, but they've been doing it for years. Mm-hmm. Biblical films have been huge since, like, the 60s or the late 50s. Oh, yeah. Um, let's see. I think we both said our piece about the parallax view and the world of newspapers, politics, death touched on a lot of things uh but i uh wanted to thank you again man for coming on here and hopefully can have you on again sometime uh maybe when i'm better so you don't have to walk me through as much (laughs) you're doing you're doing fine man you're doing better than anybody could ask for as far as you us of you doing this no nobody's uh Nobody's making Adam Carolla money, so there's no need to worry about what you're saying right now. It's just a matter of 
you you have your opinions, you have your passions, and just put them in a microphone for people to hear. Yeah, and thanks to anybody that's listening. Um, you know, these first few episodes, I might try a couple slightly different ways, and not saying that I won't ever do any of them ever again, but sort of see what people like the most, you know, because I had fun all the ways I've done this. So, uh, yeah, we had a, I think we had a good conversation, you know, had a nice little Sunday afternoon. Big shout out to you and Court from Cinema PsyOps and, you know, Ricky from Hail Ming really helped me out with some software issues and, you know, Duncan's always supportive and Baz over at T-Putts. Those guys are all shitheads, by the way. Don't don't listen to what Darren's saying, you know. <laughs> I gotta kiss ass. I don't like those guys very much. <laughs> they know this. Wink, wink. No. I, no, those guys are solid guys. <laughs> I gotta kiss every ass on my way to the top. But yeah, man, I had a, I had a good talk with you, and I'm really glad you brought up this this movie. Um, hopefully, if you're listening, you've already seen it, but. You know, we we didn't really cover it all, but hopefully you've seen it <laughs> before we told you how it ended. But it's still worth a watch either way. Um, so, uh, Mr. Hill. Yes, sir. What do you got coming up, man? Where can people catch your uh, awesome voice and your other projects? Well, uh, as of this probably episode's release... Uh... You can check out, um, hopefully soon after, the episode we're going to do with the the Hailming boys. You mentioned Ricky before. Ricky and Danny do a show called the Hailming Power Hour, and they're going to come guest on our show where we're going to talk about evil executives and movies and the three the three bold choices. Ricky threw me a bone. He's like, hey, I really like to do Fan of the Paradise. And I said, hey, I can build a show around that. <laughs> so the three evil executives in question are... Uh, Kurt Fuller, Mr. Brell and No Holds Barred, and uh, Eddie Arcadian and The Last Dragon. And then the film I just mentioned, uh, Mr. Swan in, inside of uh, Phantom of the Paradise. Oh, that sounds amazing, dude. So, so we're, we're going to dance to the Juicy Fruits while we record and uh, ha- have a good time. And, you know, it, sh- it should be a uh, barrel of laughs if you guys will say their show. They put a lot of production value in their show. I put almost none in mine, so <laughs> it seems like hard work, and it, it, sometimes it is that if something goes wrong, but not really, guys, because it's just good conversation coming through a microphone, and uh, God bless those guys that put a lot of work into their post-production, and I'm just not one of those guys. <laughs> yeah, and they seem to do it so seamlessly. That's really cool. Yeah. Oh, well, if if you can give me Jimmy Stewart narrating Rawhead Rex, <laughs> I, it, which was spectacular, and I, I will be your best friend forever. So, you know, <laughs> God bless Ricky and Danny and always hail Ming, okay? It's, just, it's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> hail Ming. Yes, indeed. <laughs> That's cool. Um, yeah, that and two drink minimum commentaries, which is just me and a bunch of friends just watching a movie and talking shit through it. I think the next one that comes out will be, uh, as of this recording, this Wednesday, The House That Trip Blood, which we're doing uh, all anthologies in January. And uh, Johnny Krug, if he's well enough, he's going to join us for From Beyond the Grave on the next one after that. 
I'm great. But uh, we didn't enjoy the House of Drip Blood all that much, but it was it was funny banter all the way throughout. <laughs> like us describing how many books that Robert Block didn't write, but we, we say that he wrote. You know, and uh, that that was funny because we were just we were just fucking with our friend Suzanne, and she, I think she had a good time through all of our fucking with her and. Yeah, those are both on LegionPodcast.com. You can check out Sloppy Seconds, the movie sequel podcast, on Horophilia.com. And hopefully, uh, well, hopefully I get together with um, my old, uh, formerly female counterpart, and she, she, she was, uh, she's a transgender now, so I'm not sure what to call her. I'm not, I'm not being politically incorrect, but she, she chooses to go by Hawk now. Okay. Uh, that's what she goes by, and her name is formerly Emily. Well, you know, in spirit, that's the name her mama gave her. But I'm hoping to work out something with her in the new year to where she's uh, ready to come back to me and uh, f- fly back to me, if you will, and we get something going again. Because much like Jamie, she she's my, my female counterpart who keeps me level-headed and not, not so stupid. And I appreciate that, the, the having these, women, these lovely women in my life to, to set me straight and, you know... Say hey, stupid male! Stop being stupid male! And you know, I say okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whatever, whatever Hawk tells you, that's what you call Hawk. It's a, it's a very hip individual. There you go. <laughs> uh, besides that, uh, come join the Cinv Facebook group. Come uh, check me out on Twitter if you like. I don't play that much on there, but I'm at GW and at Cinema Beef Cast. And if you guys would uh, check it out in the springtime, I have uh, posted some items for an auction that's going to go to a local no-kill shelter here in Chicago Heights, Illinois. I'm glad and, you brought uh, this up. I heard you talk about that. Um, was it on Cinema PsyOps? Yeah, I think it's because Court, uh, Court brought it up right away. And uh, I have dogs at home. You might, you may have heard them barking in the background. Uh, they're very important to me, and I think that a no-kill shelter... Is a very important place to have, but they uh, need help because it's all volunteer work there. So they need money for blankets and pet food and you know just general help within the facility. Keep 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 the lights on to keep the the puppies and the kitties warm. You know. Yeah, keep the hearts beating. Yes. Well, that's great. Um, you know, as things develop with that, I hope you can, uh, you know shoot me some links later that I can use now and, uh, you know, keep abreast of the situation. And if you don't end up coming back on sometime closer to when the auction is at least, you know, help me remember, cause I really want to push that. And part of the thing I do at the end of every show is either, <clears throat> something related to the film, something to related to the conversation or just something that the guest wants into, but you know, some way to get more involved. No kill shelters are really important. I saw some of the stuff that you had or talked about <clears throat> for the auction. Sounds really cool anyway. And you can do something cool with the money. So yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, did I cut you off there? No, no, not at all. Okay. Yeah, it's really cool that you're doing that, man. And, uh, yeah, I want to do whatever I can to help promote that I, as I I appreciate go. it, man. Okay, I think I said this before. It might be a combination of 
being over Facebook and Twitter. So if you don't follow me on Twitter already, follow me, like I said, at GW. And you could uh, send me a direct message there if you like to make a bid. I'll uh, I'll try to keep up with it the best I can. <laughs> as far as the you know the, the stacking of the bids, I'm I'm, hope, I'm hoping they're very stackable. But I guess like, like uh, Darren mentioned, I got some pretty sweet items in there. Some some it's all memorabilia. So if you like film, what one of which I just I just put up there is is a massive Italian dolls poster that I happen to own. Ooh. That that's signed by Stuart Gordon and and his wife who played uh, the evil mother in the film. And uh, that thing is like five foot by four foot. So you have to really have some dedicated wall space for this thing to be, you know, <laughs> if you want to probably display it. It's quite beautiful, though, but it is massive. Nice. But I'll throw oh. some links in the uh, episode descriptions and uh, feel free, please, to post anything in the psychosemantic group. I uh, will do that, sir. Thanks again for coming on. I don't know if I've thanked you enough or too many times here, oh, it's, but it's been uh, a pleasure. Sir. And then, it's like, no, thank me some more. Thank me some more. No, it's, just, <laughs> it's not even a chore, dude. It's just, it, it, we, it's, it's, it's a nice community we have here. And you, you've seen it early on. What a, what a nice community we have where we, you know, either help each other out or just, just want to have good conversations with each other. And, you know, yeah, and it, it's, it's all, it's all good therapy for all of us. So, yeah. Get reconnected with people a little bit. Oh, over the internets. Because yep. sometimes, sometimes real people suck. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, and some earn it. Yeah, I think exactly. I could have said it better myself. So, uh, yeah, for everybody out there, you know, thanks for listening. Ladies and gentlemen. You've been invited here today for the official announcement of the inquiry into the death of George Hammond. A complete transcript of the investigation is in preparation. This committee has spent nearly six months of investigation, followed by 11 weeks of hearings. After careful deliberation, it has concluded that George Hammond was assassinated by Joseph Frady. An overwhelming body of evidence has revealed that Frady was obsessed with the Carroll assassination, and in his confused and distorted mind, seems to have imagined that Hammond was responsible for the senator's death. He was equally convinced that Hammond was somehow plotting to kill him. And it is for those reasons that Frady assassinated him. Although I'm certain that it will do nothing to discourage the conspiracy peddlers, there is no evidence of a conspiracy in the assassination of George Hammond. Those are our findings. The evidence will be available to you as soon as possible. Thank you. This is an announcement, gentlemen. There will be no questions. <laughs>